Hello everyone, welcome back to yet another episode of Ham Radio and Stranger Things Podcast. We've got a great episode for you today as usual. I'm Ashley. And I'm Jasmine. And you're tuned in to Ham Radio and Stranger Things Podcast. It's a Ham Radio. The Cadillac of Ham Radio. Welcome back to another episode of Ham Radio, a Stranger Things podcast. As always, I'm Ashley, co-host Jasmine, and uh, we have, as always, an all super awesome episode and story for you guys today. But this one will make all of you uh, Stancys out there uh, really happy because that's what we're going to be talking about today. Stephen Nancy, aka Stancy, and uh, also to top it off, we have a very special uh, guest joining us today to talk about that um jasmine who uh, we'll introduce later uh but first uh let me tell you where you can find us on the socials and uh where you can listen to the show oh uh, you know we're on twitter at ham through instagram ham radio ham.radio.media uh, we have a youtube channel ham radio media or at ham radio 1983 um we got a uh, fanfic over on ao3 and the podcast is available on all major podcasting platforms, talking Google, Apple, Spotify, Stitcher, you name it, we're probably on there. So if you would consider leaving us a review on Spotify or Apple or rating, we really uh, would appreciate that. We also now have a Discord server, which will be linked in today's episode. And as always, if you have any questions, comments, theories, concerns, or just want to reach out and say hi, we do have an email address. It's hamradiomedia at gmail.com. Uh, feel free to reach out to us, and we would love um, to uh, hear from you. Uh, so without further ado, I'm going to turn uh, this episode. That's right. I said episode over to Jasmine because she's been waiting a very long time and so is our guest to be able to talk about this subject uh, today and so without further ado I let Jasmine take over this ship. Jasmine? Thanks Ashley. So hi everyone we are super excited to be bringing you a special uh, Stancy episode today. Um, so today we have Camera with us um, and if you want to just introduce yourself briefly, uh, we know each other because we're both part of the same uh, Stancy Discord server, which is super awesome. So if you want to just introduce yourself, the floor is yours. Yeah. Hi, I'm Camarelle, a longtime Stranger Things fan. I'm excited to be here. Super ready to talk about Stancy. I've been waiting to do this. I've been super excited about it. <laughs> Yes, and uh, this is a little bit, uh, I guess, trivia for all of our, our listeners. We've had quite the uh, quite the cursed ordeal getting yeah. this episode made. Um, my despite... computer, my computer literally died at a point, so that was fun. That was a lot of fun. Yeah, my electricity went out at a point. Uh, it's been <laughs> it's been an ordeal. <laughs> yeah. Uh, on top of that, Ashley had her power go out. Um, I was sick at one point. Yeah, um, I lost your voice. Yeah, I lost my voice. <laughs> um, yeah, we've had um, all rescheduling issues, all kinds of things, but uh, we're, we're finally here and we're, we're very here. happy to be here. So we're going to start with the usual intro questions. Uh, Long-time listeners, um, we know that we usually ask our guests. Um, so to start off, uh, when did you begin watching Stranger Things? the moment it came out uh, my family are huge nerds we all watched things together back when uh the first season came out my gosh uh the, i didn't watch trailers i still don't watch trailers but my brother had watched it and he was like we've got to watch this the moment it comes out and i was like i'm there and we all sat down and watched it together so literally episode one season one straight from the start <laughs> so you're a, an og fan OG, super OG. I I was excited about it the moment I I heard about it. They all they told me was that it's like an homage to the '80s. It's like the Goonies. That was literally all my family told me about it, and we all just mm -hmm. sat down and watched it, and were enthralled the moment we watched it. And it's been every season since day one, <laughs> right there. Wow, Jasmine yep. and I are both light bloomers, so <laughs> it's okay. More the merrier. <laughs> 
Yeah, and it's funny you mentioned the Goonies because I have a friend who they I think they'd liked a, a tweet that I'd done or something. And I was, I was like, oh, do you watch the show? And they're like, no, because I heard someone described to me as it's like the Goonies and I hated that movie. Oh. And I'm like, I was like, well, like there's more to it than that. And I kind of explained a bit about it. She's like, oh, I might watch that. So for me, that was the case. Like when it came out and we've talked about this at length, but the way it was advertised, I mean, in fairness to Netflix, I think it was the their first big hit after Orange is the New Black. So yes. Yes. they were figuring out how to advertise things. But I have cousins, friends who watched it. My best friend watched it. And, and the way people had described it to me or the trailers or things I'd seen or the, you know, the kind of things, you know, the autoplay on Netflix um, had made it seem more like a horror type oh. show or more yeah. of a, like a government conspiracy. And I really don't like horror and I really hate jump scares. Yeah, I see. So, I love those. I thrived on all <laughs> of it. I love horror. I love jump scares. Scare me to death I'm here for it I want to be scared so I was super excited about it um but yeah it's not exactly like the Goonies you're right it's not it's an homage for sure but Sean Astin had been in my life since quite literally then so seeing him in season two was was great but uh yeah it's not so much a horror it's a little bit it's it's definitely gained that over the years but in the beginning it's it's more about right it's about the kids struggles it's about their story it's about the music it's about that feeling of the 80s just the feeling yeah for sure and i think the so ash and i both started watching during the pandemic and oh. i got into it because um so i went out to see the movie free guy uh, which i oh, absolutely free guy. Don't. <laughs> I love, love it so uh, fun <laughs> yeah i i went to that movie because i'm a big Ryan Reynolds fan I love Ryan Reynolds too. What yeah. an angel. Absolutely. Angel. And fun fact, everybody. Um, so he's currently in talks to buy the Senators, which is the hockey team for the city I live in. Oh. Yeah. That's the awesome. Ottawa Senators. Yeah. So he's actually in town <laughs> right now. Not that I know him, but he's actually in town. Um, <laughs> That's exciting so, though. Yeah, it's it's very exciting. And so my friends and I are having a good laugh about like how we can meet Ryan Reynolds and yada yada. You could bump into um, him on the road, quite literally. Yeah, ex yeah. exactly. Um, yeah, so I went to that movie and it was one of those movies I walked out of. I actually went to see it in theaters twice and then saw it twice more when it came out on Disney Plus. That's awesome. Which yeah, I haven't done that for a movie in ages. And oh. it was one of those movies I walked out of the theater and I went, I need to see the actors in that movie. And the people who made it in a thousand more things immediately. And I walked out and I was like, I know I reckon, apart from Ryan Reynolds, I'm like, I know I recognize these people, but I couldn't figure out where because like, like I knew it. And I go in and I was like, oh, wow, they're just styled so differently. You don't. Yeah. Um, so like kudos to them on that. And I was like, of everything I Googled, I'm like, well, Killing Eve is a bit too violent for me. But then Stranger Things popped up because Joe Carey's in the movie. And so I went mm -hmm. to my best friend who I knew had seen it and because I remembered her freaking out about somebody named Barb a few years back on oh. the show <laughs> yeah yep um and so um I was like hey like you know you've seen the show right she's like yeah and I was like how scary is it she's like there's a couple of jump scares in the first season but after that it's more about the mystery I think you'd really like it and mm -hmm. uh that's that's how I got into it yeah, it's so. very much that's a good description of it. It's like a mystery. They like it's like mm -hmm. them piecing it together. You get to watch them kind of figure it out, right? And it's all about watching them solve it and sort of figure it out. It's, that's a perfect way to describe it. It's very much a mystery. I love that aspect of it. Yeah, me too. And um I think I was looking at so my friend and I've watched, you know, we get together and watch TV like twice a week and we started doing that during the pandemic. And so she really knows like what I can and can't handle versus like other people just giving me like wildly different descriptions. Oh. Um, so that was super helpful because she was like, yep, there's a couple of jump scares. And I'm like, yep, okay. If it's, if that's all it is, then I can totally do that. Yeah. Um, and now I'm like super obsessed and I love it so much. I love that. That's awesome. Yeah. That's a great way to get into it though. Perfect timing yeah. too. The pandemic, I think everybody needed something to just kind of escape into, right? For me, it was Animal Crossing at the time. <laughs> I was very much one of the people playing New Horizons, but Stranger Things has always been there. I got re-back into it. I mean, obviously, I've over the years, but it dies down between each season. I got back into it again shortly after the pandemic. I rewatched like the whole series from the start, and I was like, gosh, I love it so much. I want to be a bigger part of the fandom, and I'd never wanted to dip my toe into it until like 
uh, July last year, I was finally like, yeah, I'll, 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 I'll see what people are around. <laughs> and here I am. <laughs> here you are. Yeah. Um, yeah, I think it was the perfect time too. I remember my friend was saying, she was like, let's look up the kids. I think only the teaser trailer was out for season four at that point. Just the, yeah. And she was like, you're like, you're so lucky. You only have to wait till next year. So I guess we must've been watching it in what 2021 because if it came out came out last year right? yeah this, 2021 yeah, yeah. yeah so yeah. it would have been yeah yeah um because Full she thing. was like I think she started watching I think I think she saw season one like a while a little bit after it came out and then she watched both seasons two and three when they dropped and then so she remembers the whole th and I'm sure you do too the whole thing where it was like um okay like you know a year from now season four is going to drop yeah. and then she had to wait everyone had to wait like three it was years just de dead silence for extended periods of time just being there like okay when's it coming when's it coming I kind of started to assume they were just going we were just going to get a canceled kind of thing right they were going to say okay sorry like you know we don't have the funds to do it or we're not you know the actors aren't into it anymore it's been too long um, I kind of expected it to go that way because I've seen a lot of a lot of TV shows kind of go that route where you know you're waiting for the next season and then it just kind of doesn't happen. So I expected that. I hoped for you know an actual. And then they started mentioning that they were doing filming and everything, and then editing took like 84 years. And I was like, okay, but it's happening. They have scenes filmed. They have like the whole thing. So it's it's coming. It's just gonna. It just. You know, it takes a while. <laughs> it's worth it. <laughs> yeah, hundred percent, hundred percent. And I'm glad that didn't happen because I know the same friend. There was a number of shows she watched where just because of COVID and how much time passed and scheduling conflicts, like it just couldn't happen. Like everybody wanted to, they just couldn't make it work for a second or third season. Yeah. Um. So I'm glad that was this wasn't one of them. Um. Because I think the, I mean, the people that work on it definitely could have moved on, but I'm glad they're you know they they did film it and they have decided to finish it um yeah, they stuck to it. it and it's awesome because i think it's like you know it's one of the few tv series at this point that i feel like hasn't done completely wrong by its audience and has tried mm -hmm. to stay true to itself throughout the seasons Despite yeah and you can, yeah yeah and you can tell they have a plan which i like mm -hmm. yes 100 percent. Um, so further to that uh what is your favorite thing about the show gosh uh the characters uh, i i love that despite the party being like quite a few characters like there's multiple boys not a single one of them feels like even remotely the same person mike is very unique dustin is very unique will is completely unique lucas who doesn't unfortunately doesn't get as much time as the other boys he did this season but um he's completely separate he's got his own mind and you can very much tell each of them has their motives, their goals, their hopes and dreams and expectations. Every character feels very unique and they give it time for each of those characters to kind of stand out in their own ways. Like, do they lack in a little bit of places? Sure, sometimes, but for the most part, every character, you're not going to confuse them with another person. Not at all. Yeah, I that is a great answer. I, I agree with that too. I think, again, the same friend that I watched with, we talked about... Um, we went to see that movie. What was it? The Eternals. Yeah. And, okay. And we didn't like it at all because we're like, basically, it was the opposite thing for us. We're like, who are these characters? We don't know them well enough. There's too many. We can't keep them straight. Um, we can't get invested in them. And we were talking afterwards about how like it's amazing that Stranger Things has this many characters, but you are equally invested or almost equally invested in all of them. None of them are the same. They have, you know, they took the time, I think they really took the time in season one and then built each season to really flesh out the characters. Yeah. So you identify, you recognize them and you can keep them all straight in your head. You, you know, you, you're invested in their journey. They feel like real people. And yeah. we commented on how we'd seen other movies and, and shows recently where like they, they had a large ensemble cast and, they didn't take the time to do that and so we walked out of there we're like did you understand that did, what why why did that character do that? like we just couldn't it just wasn't there 
Yeah, very rarely do you see that with such a big cast. That's exactly right. Like Buffy obviously stands out amongst any other show, but the cast is very small, right? Xander, um, Spike, Giles. That's the main men. Like that that's very limited, very tight knit. And then you've got Buffy and Willow. And if you add in like Tara, Cordelia, whatever, but it's very small. It's a very tight knit cast. And of course they're going to stand out because there's not that many of them, but just the party alone is six members. It's six members alone. And that's just the kids. Then you add in Steve, Nancy, Jonathan, like, and it gets bigger and bigger and bigger. And you've got the adults and they still all manage to be unique. There's not many shows I've seen that have that many characters that is able to pull off each character feeling like they have a mind of their own and their own agenda, their own goals. Very, very few shows are able to pull that off with a big cast. Um, the only show I can really think of off the top of my head is an extremely obscure show in Australia um, from New Zealand called The Tribe. And that has a very large cast and every single character feels unique. But they also had the time to put into the characters to grow. It's not like Stranger Things where it's like eight or nine episodes a season. This is more like 54 episodes a season. So they have the time to do it. Stranger Things manages to pull it off in eight or nine episodes it's impressive it's hard to do but they do it yeah I completely agree it's a very difficult thing to do and they definitely pull it off and I think part of that for me is the fact that like you can tell that you know the original characters were all based on a particular like 80s archetype. kind of trope yeah archetype yeah. and I, I love that they took that and then they evolved it largely yes. based on the performances of the actors and I think they deserve credit for that because I think I've watched another a lot of other shows I was watching around the same time where you can tell very blatantly, you know, the chemistry or the performance was going one way and they said, no, this is what we planned out last summer. So therefore we're going with this Yeah. rather than I think what Stranger Things did, which they do really well is, well, the character was supposed to go this way. But that was a really cool nuanced performance. Let's go this route yeah. instead. They lean into their actor's strengths. They see where they succeed and they lean into that just a little bit more. Like it even like Jonathan's probably the character that suffered the most. But even with that, they were still listening to Charlie. And I know they added a couple scenes in season four because of things that he wanted to see from Jonathan as a character. And those two scenes that I can think of that he requested himself are the two scenes of Jonathan that stand out the most, which was the conversation with Will when they're at the freezer, and then the kiss to Nancy's forehead. Both of those two scenes he requested himself, and they're the two scenes that stand out the most about him. He doesn't really have much character growth in season four at all. So they listen to the actors and they have confidence in the actors. And you can see that it's very different from Game of Thrones in that way. Speaking of a big <laughs> cast where the characters don't don't get as much as they deserve. At least the Duffer brothers, you know, they they take the time to to respect their cast and to take their opinions and their feelings and their strengths and lean into it. All of it is something it's refreshing. It's it's really nice. <laughs> Yeah, no, I agree, especially when the actors were so young. I think a lot of shows, I yeah. mean, they, on one hand, I think they got lucky because a lot of people have said this, but when you cast a child actor, you don't really know what you're getting, Yeah, you know? Like, I was a big Grey's Anatomy fan for a really long time, and there's this in-joke where one of the, yeah, there's this, okay, so there's this kid on the show, and you know how child actors, like, they're often often played by twins right yes um there's this kid where there's one kid bailey sometimes he would talk and, and be very active the way his sibling characters were and sometimes he wouldn't and i came across this thing where basically what happened is so he's played by twins the one twin loves acting very animated the other kid tested well when they first brought him in following that turns out he's really camera shy and doesn't like to talk oh. on camera Oh no. But because when they cast him, they couldn't change the 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 actors playing him. So when the one kid's available, Bailey is totally involved in the story. When the other <laughs> kid's available, he just kind of stands there. Sits in the background, just kind of waving in the background like a fawn. Not <laughs> even thing. in the background. He's in the foreground. He just doesn't oh. say anything. Poor thing. Oh. I feel sorry um, for him. Oh. Yeah. That's I rough. mean, well, I 
I don't feel too sorry for him because I'm sure the payout on a single episode of that yeah. is probably significant. Um, but to the end, like they didn't really know what they were getting just because somebody yeah. tests well doesn't mean that's going to show up on camera. Children um, actors are a hit or miss. Their real gold mine was the Noah who plays uh, Will because yeah. you don't see him act much in season one because he's not really there. So you're sitting there wondering, okay, but is he a good actor? Can he act? And then he comes in in season two and he just nails it and you're like okay so they did good even though he wasn't really active in season one they knew what they had their hands on because he's an amazing actor he does it everything so well they uh and to get that six times over <laughs> that's impressive it's hard to pull off really that it's just a lot of things working for them honestly yeah i think i think noah and millie are the two that like millie mm-hmm yeah, where, I mean, they've spoken about how, you know, like, they, so much of who Eleven was and is, was formed off of, like, her entire, what's so iconic, even just her, she expresses, like, they said it was hard to cast because she doesn't really talk much in the first yeah, season. it's all facial, right? It all mm -hmm. is happening in her eyes. And I've seen her audition tape. It's impressive. It's like, you watch it and you're just like, yes, that is exactly who Eleven is and that's who she should be. She she's so amazing I can't even express my feelings for Millie Bobby Brown's performances in Stranger Things like my goodness to get that out of it, such a young girl and just she doesn't have anything for her especially in season one she's shaved bald she's wearing a giant t-shirt it is all in the face and she's so expressive you immediately want to protect her and take care of her and figure out what happened to hurt her like immediately and she she's an amazing actress honestly a gold mine <laughs> they were very fortunate to get her she is as much as gift as the actual show itself yeah I 100% agree and I think because like I know the Duff Brothers have spoken about this but like her I know it's like well she had to emote a lot with very few words yeah. and you know they've said you know we didn't know with no you know like you don't see him much he doesn't speak much so we don't know we did a kid that you know you could see why they were fighting so hard and then when you get that and they're able to do so much more in season two it's like wow they yeah. got they got excellent actors for this because there's so little for them to go off of on season one, but you buy into it completely. And then season two, they really shine and they just keep shining. And yeah. you're like, wow, like that's that's impressive. Like it is. It is. It really is. And like that's not just to undershadow any of the other like no, younger actors. Not. Like Sadie. Sadie herself, like absolutely amazing. She's um Gayton. I love him. God, he's like a ball of sunshine, especially in the first two seasons. That smile just, oh, I love him so much. He's adorable and can sing, my goodness. <laughs> so they, um, yeah, it, it's a great group of kids, which is something that is the most important because child actors can, as you said, like a perfect example with Grey's Anatomy, a child actor, a bad one can really ruin things or take you out of it and stop you from being able to suspend your disbelief, which you're doing a lot with something that involves, you know, interdimensional creatures. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, 100%. I agree. So shifting into what we're here to talk about today. Um, yeah. Why are you a Stancy shipper? I know the answer to this, but for all of our listeners out there, <laughs> or I think I know the answer, I guess I should say, but for all of our listeners out there. It's hard being a Stancy shipper just in general, not because of the actual characters of the show. It's hard because the fandom, especially the louder part of the fandom, the very active part of the fandom can be very overwhelming. I I shipped them right away. Steve is charming. Nancy is amazing. I don't know. Their chemistry is is unlike anything because I normally, I don't normally ship like okay, this is going to sound niche, but I don't normally ship just a guy and a girl. I need something more. I need, I need like intenseness, right? I need like something, you know, like Spike and Buffy is, is a great, perfect example, right? There's that, the pain from it, from him being like a vampire and her being the vampire slayer and he's killed two just before her, you know, that I need more from it. But Steve and Nancy are extremely not simple but they are simple in their own way there's something charming about the way that he just loves her love her intensely 
and loves her strongly and he makes mistakes but it's his character growth you know that he kind of grows into his own i don't know they have this amazing chemistry that works so well on screen you see the two interact with each other and it's immediately like it's heart pounding you want to listen to everything that they say to each other you want to see how they work with each other it's it's a very interesting dynamic I love the tragedy of it especially after you know season one season two how that developed um I'm here for a good tragedy <laughs> um being able to see Steve's character grow because of how a girl affected him in his life and he runs with it he handles it exactly the way that you'd want someone to be able to handle that kind of thing and Nancy doesn't see it she's blind to it because she's experiencing her own pain and I don't know I love that conflict I'm I'm always here for some good conflict but they're I don't know I didn't expect it myself either <laughs> I'll be honest it took me completely by surprise but they're beautiful together yeah, I, yeah, I, I voice watched one and image of my friend were watching and then um I think we'd watch like the first one or two episodes and then um in between there, like those were the scenes that you know, Stephen and scenes were the ones I was going back and rewatching. Mm-hmm. I didn't go back and rewatch the scenes of any other character in season one. Same. Um yeah, exactly. Like you're right, like they have normally there has to be more to it. I, I agree with that, but yeah, they just they have amazing chemistry, they're such interesting characters not for any kind of interdimensional reasons but just because simplicity but also a complexity yeah. to them and they have such an interesting dynamic and chemistry right off the bat and a softness um, like you get to see yeah. the way that like Steve looks at her the way that Nancy mm-hmm. looks at him the yeah. scene when they're on the bed in her room doing the like cards and everything and she looks at him at the end after he respected her boundaries she looks at him and you can tell that she, however you want to think of Stancy and that love, she loves him in that moment. In that moment, she is like, this is a man. He respected what I wanted. He backed off without question and he didn't push. And she respects that. Because, yeah, they can be a little teasing, quite a bit of teasing even. But it's when she's dead serious and he knows it and she knows that he knows it and he doesn't push. And she loves that. And you can see it in her eyes. That kind of chemistry, you don't get that get that kind of softness from people who aren't genuine about what they're feeling. And it's just, I don't know, it's beautiful. <laughs> yeah, I 100% agree. And I think I think it's because of that too, that like that frames it. My heart always breaks for, for Nancy and Steve, the way that Barb died. Because like, yeah. I love Barb as a character. I know people have feelings about that. But just the fact that I saw... I'm sure you know the post I'm talking about, but that post on Tumblr where it's like 10.2K words about Stancy. Do you know the post I'm talking about? I think so, yes. Yeah. yeah. There's a line in there um, where they talk about, you know, the first time Nancy is vulnerable with somebody, if really vulnerable, it backfires because Barb dies. Yeah. And the fact that, you know, there's, you know, the scene where they're studying, right? Like you said, like he, you know, she sets a boundary there. He respects it. You tell, you can tell in that moment that she sees that, oh, the feeling is mutual. This whole King Steve thing is just an act. He really does care. He really is listening. He's respecting that boundary. He sees um, me as a person. He, yeah. It's not just about sex, obviously, not a conquest, because otherwise exactly. he would have pushed it. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. And I think that's ultimately why, you know, she goes to the pool party and, and for all the stuff she's saying to Barb and you know, in her diary and, you know, trying to pretend like not that serious because, you know, she's basically lying to herself, you know, we're going to get into this, but for yes. all of that, I think that, you know, at, at first you can kind of interpret that as she doesn't want to go farther with him. She's not that serious about it, but then we see, no, she just really needed to study for that test because she values yeah. school and, and getting into a good school and all that stuff. When the time is right, when she's like, all right, I aced that test, moving on, she's ready to be vulnerable with him in that way exactly Um, yeah and I think he responds you know the way that's the thing too he responds the way you hope he would you know where he's he's just as into it as she is he's just in awe in her in in awe oh my god in awe of her you know Um, he's a perfect gentleman I mean I know a lot of people don't seem to understand how that aspect works of it in that scene because a lot of people like to see it and twist it into something that it's not 
But if you take two seconds to look at her body language the entire time, he's leaning into her. He's teasing her about the shirt. She's smiling the whole time. There's a softness in her eyes. She's receiving everything he's putting down. Even if she's like teasingly pushing back and saying, don't do that. She's She would put her foot down for real if she did not want that. And he leans in and she's smiling and they kiss. She's still smiling. It isn't until she realizes that he might push for a little more that she's like, no, I'm not ready for this. And that changes the moment. You can see it in them. It's it's very clear how she's feeling about him in those moments. And he respects it completely. He's a perfect gentleman. As far as I'm concerned, that's what you want. You want the teasing. You want a little bit of pushing. And you want him to back off the moment you tell him, no, this isn't okay. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I love that about their dynamic. And I think that's something she, by comparison, she doesn't have with Jonathan. Where yeah. like, from the beginning, they have this gentle kind of teasing, kind of flirty, kind of like, oh, I don't want that. Like, oh yeah, sure you do. Like that whole kind of thing. But we see early on that like when she sets a boundary, he respects it. So he's he not doing it, it to be pushy. He's just doing it because that's what they do, right? Like yeah. they're just teasing each other in like an affectionate way. Um, and I, I mean, you see it what... even in season four after they've been broken <laughs> up for two years. She the, the revolver comment and she's like, you almost deserved it. And she's smiling at him and he looks at her and he's like, oh my gosh, okay, yeah. <laughs> he's like immediately like, oh, we're back at this. Okay, right. This is like back in season one. We're at this again. <laughs> it's their love language in many ways. They very much, they they tease each other and some relationships work for that and some relationships don't but a lot of people I think seem to misunderstand that's how that works and if you're in a relationship for gosh even two seconds it's pretty clear when something is warranted right it's pretty clear when someone is doing something that you don't want and the difference between you know making advances and showing interest versus you know crossing a line and Steve, he does that, but it's not in that moment, and it's not in the next moment, and it's not in the next moment. It takes him a while to get there. It takes a bit of pushing for him to finally get to it. And when he does, it takes him less than 24 hours to realize he messed up and to try and go apologize. And he doesn't even go to Nancy to apologize. He goes to Jonathan because he knew he did wrong by Jonathan, especially because he was saying these things and he was hurting him. and. It, it's not surprising or confusing to know that he would have immediately went to Nancy right after Jonathan. That's not confusing at all. It makes sense. So he he takes a while to get there. And when he does, he immediately realizes he messed up. He's a great character. He's the exact opposite of what you expect from the 1980s jock trope. <laughs> He's that on the surface. But just like most characters in Stranger Things, he's not that once you get under a little bit yeah no I totally agree and I love the fact that he was supposed to be um he was originally supposed to be more like that and then he Joe was supposed to be horrible it. yeah <laughs> I was recent reason I haven't read the whole script Ashley has but I was reading part of the Mantok script because we're doing or Montauk script rather um because mm. we're doing a trivia episode and so I was looking for something mm. and uh, so I was reading the parts where basically the kids arrive at school and the dialogue between Nancy and Barb and Nancy and Steve is almost verbatim and it's very yeah. close, but the descriptions of the way it's done is completely different. Yeah. You know, like in the Montauk, I mean, Nancy is very passive. You know, Steve is this rich guy who gets away with everything. And in the final version, we see that's not the case at all. You know, Nancy's an active participant. She's a character in her own right. She... She's doing her own thing. She has goals. Yeah. She is like, especially the night that, you know, they have sex. She is very much the one that initiates everything. He's ready to turn around and he's probably assuming, okay, well, we might kiss a little bit and then maybe go downstairs and watch a movie. She's the one that's asking him, look at me, turn around. She takes off her shirt. It's all her. And it's that moment that he realizes that she wants this, that he does anything to push it this time. He immediately goes in when she takes off her shirt because he's like, oh, this is for, for me. Like, you want to do this with me? Like, immediately. Whereas the, I read the script from the first, uh, from the from the book, from how it was supposed to be. And my goodness, he's, it's, it's hard read. 
it's very painful because it's so different to how Steve is in the actual show. If people wanted to know what the difference between consent and non-consent is, read that script because it's rough. <laughs> yeah. And I feel like people miss that a lot because if you, mm-hmm. like when Joe Carey outright is asked about this, he's like, yeah, like he was the jerky boyfriend. He forces himself on Nancy, like not a good guy, no. not a good guy at all. And the final version, um, and I'll, you know, I'll give the Duffer brothers credit. Like they are definitely people who go, all right, well, you know, they trust the actors. I think um, Gaten Monarazzo was talking about this in an interview I saw recently where he was talking about how the they really trust them to play the scenes how they think they should be played. They're yes. not over-directing, which I think is the greatest gift you can probably give an actor. Um, yeah, they kind of let the actor set the tone, right? Yeah, and so I think that gave it so much more depth and nuance and a different direction. And so it went from, you know, this guy you were like happy when he's killed off versus, you know, um, guy he with comes a heart. in to fight the demo demogorgon <laughs> and spin in the bat, and you're like, yes, <laughs> God, that's so hot. Can we just agree so on how hot. hot that is? It's so hot. I remember so the first hot. time I watched it. The first time I watched Stranger Things, as I was going through, I loved Steve pretty quickly, like really early on. At first, I was like, oh, he's okay. kind of like a douche. And then you like get a little bit in there. And, I was, and, and I'm like, okay, he's adorable. The thing with the bear, he's adorable. And I saw his growth immediately. And then you get to the scene with the with the bat. And I'm sitting there thinking he's going to die. He's going to like literally sacrifice his life for these two. And he's going to end up dying. And he spins that bat. And you're like, oh, okay, I'm going to sit back and just fan myself. And my goodness. <laughs> think I've ever seen anything hotter than that before that moment I was like I know (laughs) it makes me think of you know when the I'm sure you watch like the season um like the four premiere they did on TikTok and like I think Millie Bobby Brown was asked like what Eddie or Steve and she was like Steve Harrington and she's like I'm joking comes in with that hair like and she's like oh Millie speaking for all of us like a hundred percent girl knows where (laughs) it's at I'm right there with her yeah, a hundred, a hundred and ten percent. Um so before we get what well, we've already kind of gotten into this, but before we talk mm-hmm. deeper into who you know Steve and Nancy are as a couple, I thought we could talk a bit about who they are kind of as individual characters. Yeah. Um, so I'd love to hear your thoughts. I have my own thoughts on this, but why you think Nancy downplayed her relationship with Steve in season one, kind of to begin with. That's a that's a good one. That's a really good question. Um I have a couple feelings about this. I think one of them is definitely I need to focus on my studies. I don't need to be in love with a boy. Um, it's nothing serious. I'm not ready for anything serious because I've got to study and I've got to get into Emerson. You know, I've got to do my thing. It's very much a little bit of that, but it's also probably um, being afraid of him actually not having feelings for her because they, I mean, the Duffers have talked about it before about how Nancy had feelings for Steve and she'd been working up to getting this relationship like a thing at all she's been interested in him looking at him so when you're you know into that kind of guy you just want to play it and be like no it's totally cool he's fine you know it's nothing serious because you're wanting it to be serious but if he is into it it just feels worse so you get heartbroken and she's like no I don't I, I can't do that I can't you know myself out there for a guy who you know sleeps with Becky and Amy and all the other girls she lists off and her name rhymes with all of them her name is Nancy so she is next on the poll of course oh my god I hadn't even thought of that yeah she literally lists them all off and her name is right there Nancy as well and she doesn't want to be the next one the Mm. next E you know I get that fear. Um, it makes sense for a teenage girl to be terrified of being just like the other girls and not standing out and not, you know, affect a boy in any way or form. She doesn't know what kind of effect she has on him. To be fair, I don't think Steve knew what effect she had on him until she did. I uh, think he caught her by surprise. But yeah, I like to think that, you know, she's prepared herself for it not being serious she shouldn't have a serious relationship she's got studies that's what she's thinking um and being terrified that she is just another one of his 
fascinations. Yeah, sure. You brought up so many good points I hadn't even thought of. I I, I think for <laughs> me, I the way I always said, like I, I totally agree. I think also for me too, it was kind of like, well, you know, Barb's asking her and she's like, keep your voice down. She doesn't want maybe other people to think she's that stupid or that silly. You know what I mean? Because you're dating the the hot guy, the guy that, you know, has all these girlfriends and all these dates and, you know, maybe she doesn't want other people, you know, like they talk a lot about her squeaky clean reputation, little Miss Perfect, mm-hmm. you know, Tommy and Carol are always saying that. Um, and from the beginning, like Barb, Tommy and Carol diametrically opposed on everything else. But from the beginning, all three of them are like, why are these two dating? Yeah, um, they don't get it. <laughs> they don't get it. And so to me, I, I totally agree with your points. But I also think for me, it was kind of like, well, she doesn't want, even in her diary, like she doesn't want to admit that she's feelings because if he doesn't have feelings for her and she puts herself out there, she looks silly to everybody else because it's like, oh, you actually believed he had feelings for you and he's just going to move on to the to the next girl. Um, yeah. So I think she's trying to protect herself in a way. 100%. And Nancy's very much that kind of person, right? She doesn't, she doesn't want to put herself out there in a vulnerable position. Just like we were speaking about when she finally does do that and Barb dies. It's very much a, a nod to that kind of thing, right? It's that fear of putting yourself out there that she's, she doesn't want to accept that it could be serious because, you know, it could end up hurting her and it could end up humiliating her in front of, you know, her peers in school, leaning even more into, you know, her name being spray painted on the theater, you know? Yeah, no, 100%. I can definitely see that. Yeah, and I, I think this what kind of makes that hurt so much as the audience because you see that he does her and she is falling in love with him and that th- on the surface, it's not that serious, but below the surface, it's very serious. Yeah. So everything goes down. She's genuinely hurt. He's also genuinely hurt too. You have two very hurt people lashing out at each other. Um, and then you have Jonathan over there who's like worried about his brother. That comes into it. Yeah, and he's um, dealing with his own demons, you know. Every single one of these characters, that's, again, the Stranger Things, the unique characters, they're all dealing with their own demons. Each one of them has their, you know, you obviously have Steve not handling the idea of infidelity well at all. <laughs> you had the idea of Jonathan being like his dad, being like, um, you know, being part of the poor family, being a pariah. You have Nancy being afraid of, seeming like she's too easy like slut and having an an experience that she went through and then with Jonathan being misconstrued and misunderstood it just um it's exactly that it's two people hurting each other and neither of them want to hurt each other and they're both hurting and they're not just hurting each other but they're hurting themselves and that's the it's the perfect kind of pain I love it so much (laughs) it hurts so good (laughs) And I think I think season one is really about demons and facing those demons. Like there's yes. literal demons, but there's the internal ones. And I really like that they return to that as a theme in season four. Yes, like, with Eleven and everything that she goes through. The whole show a lot is about dealing with trying to understand who the good guy is and who the bad guy is. And they say that like there are shades of gray. I think it's Brenner that says there are shades of gray. It's not just all black and white. And that's very true. But at the same time, I can safely say Steve is a good person. Nancy is a good person. Eleven is a good person. They mess up sometimes. But none of it is ever malicious. None of it is ever meant to really do damage. And they make mistakes and they own up to those mistakes. And then they grow and they learn. Nancy's a perfect character to see that she's handled guilt since the beginning of the show and you see her still dealing with it in season four does she handle it great no she gets hurt she gets hurt again she gets all of these old wounds reopen and she's such a strong character if that had been season one Nancy I can't imagine what kind of damage that would have done to her but season four Nancy is immediately like we're going to go in there and we're going to kill him. We're going to deal with it. <laughs> yeah, a hundred percent. And I like, I, we, I wasn't really sure we were going to get a season four. So I was really yeah. happy that they, as painful as some of it was to watch, 
And there are definitely parts I skip on rewatch just because there's certain things that are just so, like, I'm like, that's so painful. I can't witness it a second time. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, I'm, yeah, I was really happy that they went back to those themes and they did address, they are addressing the trauma that they've been through. They're not skipping over it. And I, I think we also see, like, we see that, you know, the, the build over time, because, you know, the end of, towards the end of season one, you know, Nancy's saying to Jonathan, like, I want to finish what we started. I want to kill it. Yeah. And he comes back to that. She's like, we're going in there. And everyone else is like, I don't know. And she's like, no, we're going in there. It's not getting, I don't want it getting to Mike. I don't want it to getting to anyone else. Um, and, and she I, does it differently too. That's a perfect example. In season one, sh- they lure the Demogorgon to them. In season four, her Nancy, uh, her Nancy, <laughs> her Steve <laughs> and Robin are going in there themselves. They arm up to the teeth. They go in there. They go to the fight. They're the ones that are, you know, going instead of, you know, drawing something to them. It's very more offensive. And I love it. I love being able to see her grow that much and and want, she still, yes, very much wants to get the job done, but she's a lot more proactive. She's ready. And not only that, but she has so much confidence in herself and you see it. It's in her face, even when she's crying and explaining this horrible thing that was showed to her and she's terrified of it she's still ready to get right back in the thick of the upside down after they just went through hell (laughs) yeah a hundred percent I also like that she's still human though because I mean something that I noticed and I think most people did was that so all of that is true but at the same time she does not tell anybody that Vecna showed her Barb yeah like she's still pushing that trauma down she's still I don't really believe she's dealt with her guilt no I think she still very much has to um I think she's been it's definitely been brought back up to the surface for sure and re-reminded her that she's not over this that it's still there that you know that trauma that she experienced is still something that she hasn't faced properly I'm hoping um that she's going to handle it in season five I mean I assume they would I assume I mean she kind of has to like I don't know I mean one thing I do like about the setup from season four is while it was it was sometimes frustrating that it was so much setup and we thought we were getting that payoff in volume two and sometimes we did but a lot of times we didn't yeah at the same time it's like we know they have a plan so like they wouldn't do that much setup and then just leave us hanging like it would be a little strange to bring up it that be and be odd. like, well, we buried the hatchet. We threw a nod to it, you know, and we moved on. I feel like, yes, very much that is not resolved. That is not resolved at all. You see her at the end of the season being like going back to Jonathan, not even talking to Steve so much. I mean, we don't know what happened in those two days, but I doubt she had a great long conversation with him. Um, so clearly she hasn't faced that. And and you make a good point that she literally doesn't tell anybody. I mean, people can assume that what she says is the only things that she saw but she doesn't tell anybody that not even steve who was the person that was there in that moment with her that experienced the same thing she and, doesn't uh, even tell him oh sorry didn't mean to cut you off there but oh, um good. you just uh brought up a good point that um you know i, I think about often when i rewatch season four but um you know at the very end of season four chapter nine when the pizza gang gets back and, yeah. and Nancy sees Jonathan for like the first time and and uh probably many months and after everything that's going on and all her you know feelings being all over the place when she sees him she looks like she's literally about to crap in her pants <laughs> because it's <laughs> like oh my gosh I didn't know he was gonna show up I thought he was in Lenora I mean obviously at that point she's thinking well he's you know if you know he's in Lenora he's safe and whatever but now it's like well if he's here then obviously he knows what's going on and everything but also because you know I've kind of been flirting with the Steve-O and and all that and we haven't really talked about everything so I just thought I I had to bring that up because it, it's it's subtle but it, it's it's kind of funny uh when I when it's I watch very it. very much there you see yeah very much you see the I've got to confront this and even then she still tries to bury it because she's like let me say as little as possible and try and sell this lie. When he asks her, are we okay? You can see her, oh, I've been duped. And she's like, yeah, we're good. <laughs> and you can see that, no, 
they're not good. She's not good because Nancy's a horrible liar. And so and horrible. They both are actually. Her and Jonathan are shit liars. They're the they're the worst liars. And and the sad part is what really I mean, I'm not a huge Jancy shipper, I'll be honest. But you can see that Jonathan doesn't believe her in that moment. Charlie plays it really well. Charlie Heaton, the actor for Jonathan. You can see that he's like, Yeah, we're good. He's hopeful that he wants this to be true but you can see that he doesn't believe her he just is scared to uh, approach it in any way because Jonathan is obvious all about burying it until it dies a slow horrible death (laughs) yeah and and Nancy in that same moment when she asks him did your acceptance letter come yet and he's like no it hasn't come yet I mean you can tell like she kind of believes him and he's yeah, like, she wants he looks to. like, wow, she believes that? She believes that? Okay. He's just relieved that she's falling for it. And I kind of want to think that Nancy isn't falling for it, but she wants to fall for it enough that she does in a way. But there's definitely that tickle in the back of your brain, right? That's going on for both of them. It's, yeah. de- it's definitely a conversation for, you know, season five, something that's going to happen. Exactly. And speaking of which, I mean, Jasmine and I, we've, talked about this before uh actually you know brought this up to her which all this is really you know amazing because i'm not as into the relationship side of the show uh as opposed to more the lore uh but you know i was doing a lot of research about you know vecna and more dnd stuff and and also i was thinking about the library um in stranger things especially in season four how it seems like it's a pretty big deal moving forward and mm-hmm. uh actually uh, found out that there is a library in D that is uh tied to vecna and it's like it's the library of secrets or something oh. like that and uh and i was telling jasmine i was like you know i wonder i wonder if you know the whole jonathan nancy steve you know love triangle whatever the reason that they've made it like this in season four going into season five is is it you know maybe it connects to the library and what Vecna has planned because you know you can't convince me that Vecna doesn't know what you know Nancy's true feelings are or the oh, secrets that she's on. keeping yeah I mean and that it's man's like, got the tea. <laughs> yeah and, and I have no doubt that he you know would definitely want to use that as ammo yeah. and so that's the only logical explanation that i've come up with uh why they to the secrets in the library too because yeah. like the scene with robin and nancy in the library and her being like i just want you to know that me and steve we're not together that conversation happens in the library as well so yeah interesting not and i'm i'm here for it honestly yeah and if it's not that then i really hate that they have decided to um bring about all this and the penultimate season um i mean i hope it le- at least leads to something rather than just a a plateau with something yeah. that was meant to get everyone excited and it just you know fizzled out or they just needed to add a little something for jonathan because he didn't really do much i feel like they four. wouldn't I, I just feel like the duffers aren't ones to waste space like that you know I I I don't see them dropping it off like that. I see them definitely. I mean, the tease at the end of season four, there's a reason why he, they show the scene with Nancy and Jonathan at the end. We didn't need that. We didn't need that at all. They could have left it at the forehead kiss and never had them have any kind of conversation. But they show you this scene to show you this is unresolved. This is still happening. This is going to come. And whether it's going to be like a big thing or something kind of small that happens a little bit over the episodes it's definitely coming back up otherwise I mean I don't see as a creator why you'd include that last moment that last scene where especially where Jonathan says the whole insult about Steve like who would have been here like taking care of the kids Steve and he makes that and they didn't have to include that they have just included a conversation about the letter and about how things go here and her being like, well, I'm glad you weren't here, you know, that kind of thing. They didn't have to add this stuff in, which they did. And I feel like that's 
completely intentional, it would be outrageous <laughs> if they did nothing with that. <laughs> oh, yeah, definitely. Definitely. Also, uh, another thing that I, I noticed, too, at the very end of season four is also in the same scene when the pizza gang returns and, and Nancy and Jonathan, you know, you know, hug each other. Steve is openly upset <laughs> that openly uh, upset. that uh, that this is happening, and you can kind of see Robin kind of patting him on the back, like it's okay, buddy. Yeah. It's it's that funny. It's was sweet. Yeah, and and uh, <laughs> like I like Steve, and I like Nancy, but I mean, I I'll be honest with you, I don't like them quite as much as a couple, as opposed to them being in individuals. I feel like. They're much better when it's just Nancy and Steve, not Nancy and Steve. You know what I mean? I think it's hard to feel that. I mean, I get, I definitely get where you're coming from. But as, I mean, I have to stand up for my ship, right? But as a person, I think the Steve we know now and the Nancy we know now are not going to be Stancy from season one or season two. It is going to be completely different together. Steve is totally different not just different from season one he's different from season three like he's coming to his own in a very big way in hawkins he was the oldest person there that knew the upside down at the time when season four happened he was the oldest person there he was the only most responsible person there other than nancy that was it that was all they had joyce was gone hopper was supposedly dead like, they didn't have anything else. Steve and Nancy are the start of the line and the end of the line. And that's it. That's all they've got. And you can tell that he handles it in a way that he definitely would not have handled it better in any other season. He's a different person. Nancy has kind of been more of a gradual grow, right? She's she's very much on this same track, getting up to a certain point. It, they're different they're individuals i can't imagine the relationship being even remotely similar to how it was in season one and two at all yeah yeah I, I agree um but i just uh i mean not that you know it's you know you're wrong about that like i, I definitely agree like steve is is definitely the most improved character on the show no doubt yeah <clears throat> um but the one thing I will say that I really do appreciate appreciate about Jonathan really more so than Steve when it comes to Nancy is that like in season three when him and uh, Nancy got into the argument after they got fired he was like you know like I needed that job like you may not have but I needed it and she's like you know well it's you know it's hard to be a woman in the workplace and stuff and they were both right but I think that Nancy is a person that sometimes needs to be told what she needs to hear versus you know what she wants to hear and I think in that moment it was appropriate for Jonathan to do that and be like you know we're just interns you know sometimes you have to stop and look at what's around you instead of just going head first into stuff and I definitely think you know, Nancy kind of did that a little bit in season four, and I just, uh, so far, like, Steve, I haven't really seen Steve being the one, you know, that would be willing, you know, to tell Nancy, like, hey, I mean, we're going to die if, if we don't figure out, you know, what to do with Vecna or whatever, and I've so I will say... Hmm? <laughs> Sorry to interrupt, but I've got two fine? of those moments for you where Steve does push back 100%. In season two and in season four, both times, Steve had pushback for Nancy. There's the scene in the library at their school where they're in the room and he's explaining to them, we can't do rash things. We can't just like go and tell Barb's parents what happened to Barb. He puts his foot down in that moment and that results in a complete tailspin with Nancy. He does push back in that moment. So he's definitely not uncomfortable with putting his foot down. Even in that moment where he sees she's struggling, he still puts his foot down. It doesn't result well, but he is comfortable doing that. And there's a second scene in season four when Nancy says that she wants to go and fight Vecna. Steve pushes back there immediately. He's like, no, no, we're not going back there. After what just happened? No, we're not doing it. 
does he end up folding in the end? Yes, but it's mostly not just Nancy that ends up with him agreeing to go back there. It's a little bit of Max. It's a little bit of Robin um, and Dustin. So he ends up folding there, but he's not uncomfortable with pushing back with Nancy. And I think she needs that, but I don't know. I guess I see the scene between her and Jonathan a lot differently than most people see it. That scene absolutely broke my heart because I don't see Jonathan as being a person who's going to give any gift to her at all. He sees his problem as bigger than hers because he's been living with it his whole life and he doesn't see that she's been living with her problem her whole life too. And he just says, you can't see this side that I'm poor and that I needed that job. And when she she's upset, he says, yeah, we'll join the club as if she hasn't been there her whole life. And I don't see him giving her any opportunity to be an equal in that moment. <laughs> so I don't know, I guess I see it differently. And that's our show. If you like what you heard today, be sure to subscribe and tell your friends. Our theme music is provided by Neon Knights, and our sound editing is provided by Ashton Cooper. Thank you for listening to this episode of Ham Radio, a Stranger Things podcast. Please join us next time, same dial, same time. Over and out.